Here's Michael at the foul line. A shot on Elo. Good! The Bulls win! They win! Don't you open your mouth about the best. Oh, yo, I'm going to send it for you real quick. L-O-B. Listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game. Not a game. Not a game. We're talking about practice. Lewis gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! LeBron James at the buzzer! mindset when you stepped in the batter's box? Go yard. I mean, I'm a pitcher. Why not swing as hard as I can? I got nothing to lose. It's nothing to man above. Don't put you in situations that you can't handle. Instead of saying, why me? They're saying, this is what he want me to do. And, uh, Cleveland! This is for you! The way we approach the game is the same way we approach life. You do the right thing. You make the right play. Make the right play. And in life, it's the same thing. What do you feel in your heart is the right thing to do? And you do that. You know, it seems so simple, but sometimes the simplest things are the hardest things to do. And um, uh, I think it's just that. Welcome to what? The game. Me. To me. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of What the Game Means to Me presents our NFL Smack Talk Smackdown. We've got the Super Bowl matchup today. We've got two wonderful, knowledgeable gentlemen with me that have made it to the finals representing their squads. Um, you know, had to revisit this series. It was something we did a little earlier before this uh, season start. But, you know, we got to the end of a, a heck, uh, you know, or not reckless, but a hectic um nfl season we've crowned a champion unfortunately it wasn't these two guys' teams but like i said maybe this would be a, I guess the the cherry on top for their nfl season but um without further ado i'll introduce the guys or let them introduce themselves uh first we got sammy block indianapolis colts fan and afc representative for our super bowl um smack talk smack down today how you doing man i'm doing good man thanks for having me excited to talk some football and cap off this awesome series thank you of course, of course. And uh, got Kenton Gibbs, um, NC State alumni, also Detroit Lions fan. Um, he's probably, it's probably like a Cinderella run for him. That's why I've been describing it. Everybody <laughs> fell, fell in love with Kenton um, and got him here uh, to be the NFC representative. So how you doing today, man? Oh, I'm, I'm great as always. Any day above six feet. Uh, but, you know, the Lions, the Lions, we need to win something. We need to win something. <laughs> This is the beginning of the breaking of those curses that go all the way back to last time we won a championship. Dick LeBeau was not a defensive coordinator. He was a starter on that. Defense. So <laughs> this is the beginning of something going into 2020. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And um, yeah, I'm I'm just looking forward to I know both of you guys' teams have been in the news a lot recently. Um, and we'll get to that in a second. I'm sure that'll be questions and concerns you guys have for each other as well. But before we start off, I wanted to, you know, explain this uh, episode is going to be a little bit different than the past ones. So um, if anyone saw my tweet a few minutes ago, we're going to do it around the horn style. So, of course, I got Sammy and uh, Ken up here and I pretty much, you know, add a point or subtract the point for points that I like that they bring up about each other's teams or, you know, against each other's teams. So uh, we'll add that along with the fan voting that we do at the end. Um, I leave it up for three days and we'll combine the two and we'll crown a champion um, probably early next week. So 
definitely looking forward to this episode. Definitely looking forward to get started. And I'll kick it off with the first question um, for the day. Quarterbacks heading their teams than they did last year. First question before I get to that, though, I want to see how you guys each feel about the uh, feel about you guys' team season and how it ended um, just in general. So, Sammy, I'll let you start first. Yeah, I mean, I think going into this past season, a lot of people thought the Colts could be decent, but not necessarily a deep playoff team. Mm-hmm. I'm always the kind of guy that believes in my squad. So I did take us to, you know, be in the playoffs and be a threat. I thought Phillip Rivers would come in and have a good year for us. He did. He played pretty well. And it's kind of funny. It's an NC State guy. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, no, I thought he played well. It was obviously towards the end of his career. He's not the yeah. same guy he was a couple of years ago. That's why he just retired. But he played well for us. He didn't turn the ball over that much. And overall, I think some guys came in and played well. Naheem Hines, another NC State guy, um, mm-hmm. played really well for us. And then, you know, Michael Pittman Jr. played pretty well as a rookie. T.Y. Hilton started slow, and he's a free agent, so we'll see what we do with him. But the story was really the defense coming into their own this year and just yep. being a great defense. I mean, Darius Leonard leading the way. Julian Blackman was a great rookie in the secondary. D-line DeForest Buckner was fantastic. So I think the defense was the story, and the offense kind of held its own for much mm-hmm. of this season. So 11 and five, really good record. I think, you know, our division with Tennessee, it's tough to win it. But I think in the playoffs, we put on a pretty good show and almost ended up beating the Buffalo Bills, who were a really good team this year. So I was pleased overall with this season for sure. Yeah, I thought you guys should have actually won that game. I think I maybe told you a little bit off air. Um, Definitely should have won. But unfortunately, Phil's River arm couldn't quite get the ball to where it needed to be in the last few seconds, last few plays of the game. But um. Ken, how do you, uh, did you feel about your Detroit Lions and how did they fare this season? So first of all, let me start by apologizing to the Smack Talk Smackdown <laughs> viewers. I, I am not going to lie to you all. And in the spirit of transparency, one of the things I've always told myself is <laughs> no matter what the reason is, no matter how much you're paying me, unless it's seven figures, then it's different. <laughs> I refuse to be a tool of propaganda. And I was, I was a Matt Patricia propagandist. I, I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you right now, right? I knew the ineptitude that was within him from way back. Mm-hmm. I, two years ago, he said that every pass rush uh, starts and finishes with power. As a former defensive lineman, I can tell you, that statement in and of itself reeks of incompetency. <laughs> there are so, there's a, such a wide gamut of moves that have little to nothing to do with your ability to get under somebody and jack them up or give them the illusion that you're coming with power, that it's almost astounding that someone could get an NFL head coaching job Mm -hmm. with that type of mindset towards pass rush, which was shown in the Lions' uh, league-worst pass rush and (laughs) all-time worst defense as far as yardage allowed. So first of all, fans, let me apologize to you all for that. Uh, Second of all, that – the season went better than I honestly expected. I better than I honestly expected for them to crank out five wins with the <laughs> team that we had. I was disappointed in the draft pick of Jeff Okuda, not because I don't think Okuda is a good player, but because I knew Matt Patricia was going to go man across the board and leave him out there one on one with some of the best receivers to ever play the game. Yep. He was going to say, "Oh, it's Devonte Adams. Doesn't matter. One on one." <laughs> oh, it's DeAndre Hopkins. Doesn't matter. One on one. So you know, it it was it was a it was a year in which five wins were surprising. Seeing Matt Stafford go in the offseason, surprising, disappointing. 
actually not surprising, just disappointing. Yeah. Uh, but with that being said, there is always one team every year that goes from worst to first. And in 2021, we are now ready to take that step by taking chunks out of our opponents, as our head coach, Dan Campbell, has already told you. <laughs> Probably the, the most entertaining first uh, interview a head coach has ever um, displayed and put on um, in NFL history, for sure. And I'm excited to see what you guys do just based off of that statement alone um, this upcoming year. But, yeah, man, um, like I said, before I asked that question, I got into, you know, both guys or both teams are having quarterback changes this upcoming year. Um, we know Matthew Stafford's headed to L.A. You guys got Jared Goff in return. Sammy's team um, just made a move for Carson Wentz about a week, week ago. Um, so how, I guess, first question for both of you guys, how do you think your new quarterbacks are going to fare? And are you excited to have them heading your team? Or do you think there was better options out there? I'll start with Sammy. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm pretty psyched for Carson Wentz. I think I actually kind of was interested in Matt Stafford. Um, so I would have loved to have Kenton's guy coming to Indianapolis. But with what uh, L.A. had to give up for him, I'm not actually so sure that it would have been a better move than what we got with Carson Wentz. Uh, Carson Wentz is younger than Matt Stafford, and he's, you know, he has potential still to turn into a really good quarterback, I think. I mean, what he did in 2017 is a couple years ago. I know last year what he did was not was not good at all. But Frank Reich was his, you know, offensive coordinator in Philly when he was an MVP candidate. He's had some injury problems. Hopefully now he's healthy. And I think that overall with Jalen Hurts coming in and with Nick Foles coming in all the time, I think Philly, even though they kind of had his back in certain ways, didn't have his back in other ways. And I think he's coming into Indy and everybody's going to kind of have his back. And he has a really good O-line, really good defense, great running game with Jonathan Taylor. I think his weapons aren't necessarily great right now, but they're going to improve with this offseason. And also in Philly, his weapons were always banged up, always hurt, and not great to begin with. So I think he's coming into a great situation. I think he's going to succeed. I will say, though, I would have loved a guy like Deshaun Watson because I think we're ready to make a Super Bowl run, and I think he's better, obviously, right now than Carson Wentz is. However, they weren't going to trade him in division because we're in the same division as Houston. Now that we see what's happening with Russell Wilson, maybe if we waited a week or two, we could mm-hmm. have gotten him because he's the NFC. You know, Indianapolis and Seattle aren't connected at all. So maybe yeah. they would have sent him to us. However, I am happy with Wentz, and I think he's a good guy that needed a second chance and really just a change of scenery. So I think he got that, and I think it's going to be good for us. Also, I think overall, last thing I'll say, Phillip Rivers was really solid this year, but mm-hmm. – I don't see why why Carson Wentz can't be what Philip Rivers was, and I don't see why he can't maybe even be a little bit of an upgrade. And yeah. if you're 11 and five and you get an upgrade at quarterback, even if it's a slight upgrade, I mean, what are you going to be 12 and four? It's obviously a playoff <laughs> spot. So yeah. I think that it, we're in good shape moving forward. Kitten. Well, when I look at our quarterback situation, Jared Goff is not an ideal uh, not an ideal situation for us at all. However, the belief is not that this is going to be a instant one-year turnaround type of deal the damage that was done by the pats light uh by the pats light regime will take some years to undo running out darius slay running out quandre Diggs, running out ezekiel Lanza, running out all of the players that they did Mm -hmm. matt stafford included it's going to take some time to reverse however if i am looking at jared goff saying is this a good quarterback for a stopgap quarterback absolutely absolutely Mm -hmm. to me the expectations are what make the situation. 
For me, the expectations for the Lions are what make Jared Goff in a good or what put Jared Goff in a good situation. For Carson Wentz, if he does not go eleven and five or better, people are going to be looking at him like, hmm? mm-hmm. yep. "What's what's going on with this?" For for uh, Jared Goff, all he has to do is win six games, six, <laughs> and he was technically an improvement. So while I do see uh, Jared Goff as a stopgap quarterback, I make no bones about this. This team is going in the right direction. They're trending in the right direction. And I'll tell you what, the team always takes the personality of the head coach. And with the head coach of our football team being who he is, being a former line, having such a love and passion for the city, I'm all behind it, not because of the quarterback, though. Because, again, I'm no longer (laughs) spewing propaganda. I'm not going to lie to you people anymore. I'm just telling you the truth, not because of the quarterback, but this is a a team that – we're looking. We're looking forward to seeing. Yeah, I do agree. Like you said, hopefully he is able to take on that type of mentality because there is times that we have seen Jared Goff does get a little flustered, gets and gets just just nervous under the big bright lights. You know, he's had a, a great defense to back him for so many years, and to see that he hasn't really been able to take him over that hump, um, may it be his fault or not, is a, is a little concerning. But like you did say. He's coming to a team where, honestly, I don't think it's too, too much expectations. Like you just said, six games is an improvement in, mm-hmm. in, in and of itself. And I think he can get I think he can get six games, depending on who y'all bring back. Because, obviously, Marvin Jones and uh, Kenny Galladay are both free agents. And I personally think both of them might be gone. Um, huh. Huh. So. Kenny Galladay can't go nowhere even if he wanted to. Franchise tag, baby. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> But um, yeah, so that was pretty much my question. I know, of course, like you said, like I was saying in the beginning, both teams are going to have a, a lot of turnover, a lot of change that's happening in their organizations. Obviously, maybe kids more than Sammy's, but I do know there's a lot of questions and concerns coming into this uh coming into this new season. So I opened the floor up, and I'll start with uh Ken. I'll let you guys kind of uh, you know go back and forth. Is there any questions or concerns that you may have about Sammy's Colts teams from either what you've seen this? Uh, past season, or what do you what you think they're I guess scheduled or headed to do in the upcoming season? Well, I, when I look at the team, uh, when I look at the coach from the last season, this was a team that outperformed expectations. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. And my question to Sammy is very simple because I've seen a lot of things, and this team was one of the older teams in the NFL last year. Mm-hmm. What have the coaches done to get better in the offseason? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of what we're still going to do is what will be our improvements. We have a lot of cap space, so I think in free agency, we really have to go get a wide receiver like a Kenny Galladay, like an Allen Robinson, maybe um, Chris Godwin. But And also, like T.Y. Hilton, yeah, he's a free agent. Are we going to bring him back? He still has something left. I love him. I hope he's a Colt forever. But maybe a guy like Robinson or Galladay or Godwin would be an upgrade. So that's that's something. We're also going to get a healthy Paris Campbell back, who has a ton of talent and really hasn't been able to stay healthy, but he's coming back healthy this year. Hopefully he comes to play. I think Jonathan Taylor, what he did at the end of last season, kind of really coming on strong and looking like a superstar running back in the making, that's going to be an improvement for next year. I think getting Carson Wentz is an improvement over Rivers just because at times it seemed like Rivers was really on his last legs. And if you can find a way to get that Wentz from a couple years ago, I really do think that could be an improvement. He's certainly more mobile than Phillip Rivers, and that can really help open up the run game and kind of create extra timing for some of the receiving weapons that, 
you know, may, may need some extra time to get open. Um, I think overall, those are all improvements. I think being in a situation where you have a quarterback that you believe is the guy, he's not just a one-year guy like Phillip Rivers. He's not Jacoby Brissett or um, mm-hmm. who I know is also an NC. I, we have a lot of NC State guys, but yeah, he's, he's not like a Jacoby Brissett or a Brian Hoyer who we had the last couple of years after Andrew Luck retired in the middle of his prime. So I think that this is a real upgrade for them. And I think also with the Colts, you know, draft wise last year we go and get DeForest Buckner giving up our first round pick it's really important I think to be able to get guys that you you know he he plays the D-line you know that Kenton and he he's a big time player he's a huge guy he makes an impact immediately I think it's important to not be so attached to draft picks sometimes and if you could go and get DeForest Buckner with your first round pick go get him because if you pick number 13 you're praying you get a defensive tackle like DeForest Buckner so why not just go get him he's like 26 years old so I think overall the Colts really haven't done too much yet to improve but some of these younger pieces and some of these changes that they've made should should kind of help things improve moving forward and last thing I'll say on this is I don't know if the Colts right now you know think they're on the same level as Kansas City or or Tampa Bay with Tom Brady. I think that they're a slight tier below and they're kind of getting in that area of the next five to 10 years, they're trying to compete for a Super Bowl. So they're kind of trusting the process a little bit. All right. Ken, do you have any, uh, I guess, rebuttals or anything that you may bring up or have to bring up that you think may, they may need help with a little bit more? Something that Sammy said that, you know, he didn't really hit it right on the head, but anything that you're thinking that the Colts need to do to upgrade? Well, th- this Colts team, I I honestly and truly am a, a big fan of the big guys. I love the elephants on parade. They make the show go. They've got one of the best, I believe, who will end up being one of the best ever doing in Quentin Nelson, an absolute mauler with light feet. However, his running mate, his partner in crime, the tackle, <laughs> Anthony Costanzo. Yep. Yeah. Let's, let's... No, absolutely. Now, now, Ezra Costanzo is not only a left tackle, he was one of the left tackles, one of the best left tackles in all the game. And you're telling me that you're going to get a quarterback who was 28th overall in QBR last year, worse than even Jared Goff, and somehow he's going to make this team better with a worse offensive line and weapons that, I mean, his top weapon, and here's a very interesting fact about uh the weapons that the Colts have, because a lot of people say the Eagles didn't have weapons. The weapons were hurt. The weapons were hurt, right? Last year, uh, Ertz, Zach Ertz, nor T.Y. Hilton hit a 1,000 yards, right? Last year, both of them had some injuries. Both of them had some things that slowed them down, right? So let's take the two years before that and compare the two in a blind study, okay? One of the guys had 2,000 yards and 14 touchdowns. One of the guys had 1,700 yards and 11 touchdowns. The 1,700 yards and 11 touchdowns was the coach guy. So the better the team that had the better player with the quarterback that you all now have was somehow not as good as your team while still maintaining a defense with Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Avante Maddox, just talent at almost every level, immense talent, bringing back Michael Jenkins, who although he may not have the coverage ability he had coming in the league, Ohio State guy for you there. <laughs> Although he may not have the coverage ability he has, the leadership and the tackling skills were still there. Somehow Carson could not get that right when Jalen Hurts could. Somehow Carson did not dress 
when Nate Sudfeld played. So it's very interesting to me to see that, you know, the idea is this team has gotten better. Also, Xavier Rhodes had a, a, a rejuvenating season for himself. He looked like he was down and out, looked like he was getting beat on by every decent receiver in the NFC North. And then he goes to uh, Indianapolis and he balls. Why haven't they signed him back yet? If, if this team is supposed to be getting better, you need to be holding on to the pieces that are showing value, proving value, and letting go of all else. At the end of the day, this team has an explosive, dynamic group coming out of the backfield with Naheem Hines as the one-two punch to a Jonathan Taylor. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. However, we all know, look at the Chicago Bears. That'll show you what a good one-two punch in the backfield, Montgomery and Cohen, does with a terrible or average quarterback, Mitch Trubisky. I'm just saying. It, that You can't tell me that Ertz is that much – I'm sorry, not Ertz. You can't tell me that Wentz is that much of an upgrade to make this team better when he's going to have a left tackle that is probably either going to be a rookie or a perennial backup. Uh, and at the end of the day, he was – Costanzo was in the top 80th percentile in almost every single statistical category – four left tackles, and now he's gone. And somehow we're supposed to get better. From it. It, it, the math ain't mathing. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, losing Costanzo's big, even even when he was on the team all these years, whenever he didn't play, we were not a good football team. So losing the left tackle like Costanzo is definitely huge. I think they're going to try to draft with that 21 pick, maybe a left tackle, maybe a guy like Eichenberg from Notre Dame, somebody big time, maybe uh, Leatherwood from Alabama. So I think, obviously, a rookie isn't necessarily what you want, but a talented rookie could be big time. They could sign a left tackle uh, like Trent Williams in free agency, or they can move uh, Quentin Nelson, like you said, such a big-time guard, which is obviously not the same thing, but they could try Mm -hmm. him, moving him over to left tackle. I think they'll figure something out because they have to. I think Mm -hmm. head coach and quarterback relationship is big, and we've heard a lot of stories about how Wentz and Doug Peterson did not get along at all recently. So I think coming in – fresh start with a guy like Frank Reich, who he like worships, I think is really good for a team like that. Also, we have Press Taylor from Philadelphia and uh, Mike Groh from Philadelphia. So a bunch of, or Chris Groh, a bunch of guys that Wentz is familiar with. Um, I also think if you look at like Tannehill in Miami, how much he was struggling with Adam Gase, and then he comes over, everyone thinks he's a bum, goes to Tennessee, and all of a sudden he's like a top 10 quarterback. I'm hoping and thinking that that's possibly what could happen mm-hmm. with Carson Wentz. I mean, just a year ago, people I feel like most people considered him a top 10 to 12 quarterback. Two, three years ago, people thought he was a top five quarterback. So I know now everyone thinks he stinks, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of be optimistic here. Um, and then in terms of weapons, I understand what you're saying with the Colts, not necessarily jumping off the page, but I think when you have such a good old line, when you have such a good defense, that really helps. When you have those that great running game, I don't think we're going to be, you know, looking at Carson Wentz to throw it 50 times a game. I think we're going to be mostly running and defense. And then we'll look to Carson Wentz to kind of do some good stuff like Baker Mayfield maybe does or maybe a Ryan Tannehill. Not necessarily be the guy that is the reason you get far, but maybe he helps you get far. And I think, again, T.Y. Hilton or one of those free agents, plus Michael Pittman Jr. coming second year. He looked really good at the end of his rookie season. Zach Pascal's underrated. I know not a big name, but underrated. Got a bunch of tight ends, Mo Alley-Cox, Trey Burton, Jack Doyle. Maybe we could bring in a guy like Hunter Henry or maybe a Zach Ertz. And then, you know, you, I just think over – and Paris Campbell coming back from injury. I don't think 
there's not many teams, in my opinion, that I know Tampa Bay and Kansas City were flashy, but a lot of times I feel like wide receivers and running backs aren't necessarily the reason that you win at all. It's in the trenches, O-line, D-line, and having a good running game, which the Colts really have all of those things. And probably uh, one of the top, if not the best, defenses in the league. And also Carson Wentz in Philadelphia was getting sacked all over the place this year. And the Colts, obviously, last couple of years have had one of the best O-lines. And Costanza is a big reason why. But so is Quentin Nelson, Braden Smith, Ryan Kelly, Mark Lewinsky. So they're pretty loaded, even if they're going to lose a big-time left tackle. Good point, good point. Um, I will now open the floor up to you, Sammy. I know you may have some questions and concerns about Kitten's Lions. So any questions and concerns you may have for him and Kitten, you're, of course, um, more than welcome to respond once he uh, presents his question. Sure, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll go down the – the list kind of just by position. I think quarterback wise, listen, Kenton didn't seem like he thinks Jared Goff is a hall of famer. So I'm not going to, you know, start questioning him on that. But I think overall Jared Goff, my one concern would be, I I understand maybe a a stopgap quarterback, but are they interested in a Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Mac Jones type guy in the draft this year, or are they going to maybe wait and kind of try to roll with Jared Goff? I know Jared Goff, you know, he's had some good seasons in the Rams system, but also a lot of people think that Sean McVay and all those weapons. So if the Lions, I know he said he wants to, you know, franchise tag Galladay, but let's say they lose Galladay. Let's say they lose Marvin Jones, Amendola, all these guys that they had last year. And also Galladay, even if you do bring him back, I know he's very talented. I, I want him on the Colts, but did is coming off a bad year with a ton of injury problems. So do you trust, you know, those weapons to help a Jared Goff who may not, you know, he's used to having Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and all this flashiness in the Rams offense. So I'm curious to see how you think he'll do. I do like DeAndre Swift. I'm curious if you think maybe he needs to have a bigger role this year. I know Adrian Peterson, you know, one of the best to ever do it. I'm never going to disrespect him. And he played pretty well at multiple points this year. But I kind of want to see Swift have an even bigger role in this offense. Um, Weapon-wise, if a guy like Galladay, Marvin Jones, if those guys leave, what are you thinking about bringing in? Um, I like Hawkinson a lot. I'm curious what your thoughts are on him. I think he could even be involved even more than he was. I think he has the talent like a Kittle, like a Kelsey. Not to that level yet, but I really like Hawkinson. I feel like they're still keeping the training wheels on him a bit. And then in terms of offensive line, they have my guy Taylor Decker from Ohio State. Um, I'm not entirely sure about the Lions O-line. I don't think it's great, but I'm not sure. Um, And then defensively, like you said, they struggled a lot. I love Jeff Okuda. I think he's going to turn into a shutdown corner. I think a lot of times rookie corners struggle, especially like Kenton was saying, going up against Devontae Adams and, Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson and all those Allen Robinson, that division's tough with wide receivers. Is he going to bounce back from injury this year? And, you know, what's going to happen with the rest of the defense? I know Matt Patricia wasn't a great coach and, you know, he didn't really do much well, but he was a defensive guy. So Dan Campbell coming in with that new attitude. I'm just saying defensive guy because he come from the Belichick system <laughs> as the defensive coordinator for all those years leading good Patriots defenses. I don't think he was good, though. But is Dan Campbell coming in, rookie coach, new quarterback? There's a lot of question marks. Like, I think that 6-10, and 10, sure, it would be an upgrade, um, clearly, because they went 5-11 and 11 last year. But that may be reaching a little bit. I think the Lions may be contending around 3-13 and 13 next year. Oh, wow, 3-13. Well, there's, there's so many things to unpack there, because you went bit by bit, and you broke that thing down. 
So I'm I'm going to try to, you know, as as Pusha T said on uh, the the story of Adonis, I'm going to peel this back <laughs> layer by layer. OK, so let's start with that offensive line. Number one, the the only thing that I will give Patricia and Quinn credit for the investment that they made in the O-line is absolutely astonishing and it's paying off. If you look at Frank Ragnow, one of the best rated centers across the board every year since he's been drafted. If you look at Taylor Decker, your guy, one of the better left tackles in the game. If you look at them getting rid of Wagner and everybody's saying, well, how are they going to replace him? What are they going to do? What's their plan and contingency been? They've just found a way to plug and play different guys that were at least serviceable at that spot. Now, when we talk about the weapon, first of all, Allen Robinson is a free agent target that you're mentioning a lot. Do you know what Allen Robinson's hometown is? Motown. The Motor City, baby. So if he wanted to go home, trust me, we'll welcome him back with open arms if a Marvin Jones leaves us. Hawkinson, I always say, and I stand by, even with Hawkinson's success and what I believe he will turn into, any GM that drafts a tight end inside the tight top 10 is not a good GM. He is a good player. He will go on to absolutely dominate this league and be a terror at the tight end, for, tight end position for many, many years. Uh, and with that being said, he will be one of the most pivotal weapons for Jared Goff's development. One thing that I think is very interesting about the way that people talk about Jared Goff and his weapons in L.A., one thing that people don't realize about those weapons with Jared Goff and what he had there, they were made to look a lot better than they were simply by system and design. The Rams led the league in rushing yards and rushing attempts by receivers almost every year since McVay has been a head coach. That tells you that they are making an intentional effort to have this unconventional zany offense where you have to respect every jet sweep. You have to respect every motion. And even with that being said, even if you have an average guy running this, if you have them running something that's different, you will put fear in some people's heart. Honestly and truly, the system is great for the weapons. The weapons are not great for the system are just great overall. Brandon Cooks is good. Woods is good. But they're not just these world beaters that somehow prop golf up to look like something he wasn't. Uh, as opposed to if I look at the offensive line in Philadelphia and what they did for Carson Wentz. Uh, Jason Kelsey, one of the best centers in the game. Jason Peters, one of the best undrafted left tackles ever, ever. There's, there's not much argument or debate about that. And then you look at uh, Lane Johnson on the right tackle. And then you look at the right guard as well, who was a perennial pro bowler. He, more than anybody else, he, more than anybody else, with Darren Sproles coming out of that backfield, with Alshon Jeffrey, with Deshaun Jackson, who still, even at his old age, ain't lost a step, who still, over the age of 30, produces moments like the miracle at the Meadowlands. He, more than anybody, has been propped up by his weapons. So the, the question of how would this quarterback look without his weapons is a more fit and apt question for the Colts than it is for the Lions. And then when we talk about uh, the the DeAndre Swifts of the world, and should he increase his role and, and should his role grow and things of that sort, Adrian Peterson said he should have been the starter a long time ago, which he should have been. <laughs> Anthony Lynn has already said, after watching the tape, DeAndre Swift is a three-down back, which he is. And I am glad to see that he went through some of the struggles that he did last year i.e. dropping the game winner against the uh, Bears early in the season and things of that sort. Do you know why? In moments like that, you have two choices. 
sink or swim. For example, if you look at Marcus Williams before and after the uh, the play in Minnesota where he absolutely whips on the tackle, he sank after that, more or less. He sank. DeAndre Swift, on the other hand, he swam. He got progressively better each mm-hmm. and every week, and it's on the film showing what he does. So him, Kenny Galladay, and maybe an Allen Robinson, maybe, not saying this happened, <laughs> but those, those weapons with a Hawkinson, that to me is a dangerous group. That to me mm-hmm. is a more dangerous group than anything that golf has had except for the years in which Todd Gurley was healthy. That's the only time that they had anything close. And even then, uh, his tight ends could not block their way out of a paper bag. Higby <laughs> and Everett cannot block their way out of a paper bag. Hawkinson, you can split them out. You can put them in the slot. You can attach them to the line of scrimmage. He can do it all. He's a Swiss Army knife of tight ends, mm-hmm. like you said, much in that kettle vein, much in that uh, vein of a, a, a Gronk when he was younger, much in that vein of those guys. So those are that's what I think about the weapons there. And defensively, I believe that one of the most important things that you can do for corners, especially young corners, give them help, give them support, let them know like, hey, we're going to play you a little bit of man to man, but we're also going to give you some times where you take a hard flat, where your job is to redirect him, make sure that we don't have any swings, make sure that if they throw a, a short out, you knocking that tight end's head off. That to me is one of the most important things you can do for a young guy at the corner position. And Matt Patricia didn't do it. He didn't do it. He left him on an island with a league's worst pass rush. And also, again, Matt Patricia literally coached, who was a defensive coach, coached them to the worst defense yardage allowed wise of all time. Literally having a coach that is neutral on defense, literally having a coach that understands defense ain't my forte. I'm going to go ahead and let my defensive coordinator have this. That puts you in a better spot than what Matt Patricia, hey, man, man coverage. Hey, 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 what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Deep thirds? Ew. <laughs> Off two? Ew. Cover four? Get that nonsense out of here. <laughs> so, again, when I look at this team, when I look at this Lions team, I go bit by bit, player for player. Honestly, the Colts defense, big time. They have massive men who do it everywhere. But when I look at that offense, I do not see an offense that has A, gotten better, or that will B, get them over the hump. And like you said, have them competing in that tier for championships. I think that they're what the Atlanta Hawks were to basketball when they had Kyle Korver, uh, Don't do my uh, team Kyle like Horford, Take Paul Middlesap, and all those guys. Hey, listen, you can minus me like that. That's my team. Can't do that. They'll be good, but they won't be good enough to get over the hump. Did those Hawks ever get over the hump? Uh, you're right. I got, swept by, got swept by uh, got swept by LBJ for, uh, on the way for yeah. to the and, next championship. And guess what? The, the LBJ equivalent in football, even though we know football players don't play both sides, don't lead the team in block steals, mm-hmm. we know that that doesn't happen. But the football equivalent, the closest thing we got rolling right now, a young man named Patrick Mahomes. Then we got another young man up in Baltimore, mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson. Then we got another young these, – these new age quarterbacks, they're coming out, they're rolling out. And you need one in order to be successful. Mm-hmm. That's just that's just the nature of the world now. Yeah, I mean, the other thing I would talk about, though, I know you talked about going from worst to first earlier. That division's tough. A lot of times, listen, if you were the NFC East, maybe. But you got to <laughs> deal with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay if he's still sticking around there. 
that's obviously a big-time threat. Minnesota, I think, underachieved last year. I think there's nowhere to go but up for them. I mean, I like Zimmer. I like Cousins. He had a good year, even though – I mean, you know, he struggles at times, but I think Cousins is a little underrated. Jefferson's going to be even better next year. Thielen, Dalvin Cook's a beast. That defense should improve. So, I mean, you look at the Minnesota Vikings, you look at the Green Bay Packers, even the Chicago Bears are looking to make an upgrade at quarterback. So, that if, you know, if you get rid of Trubisky and Nick Foles, you're bound to improve. I don't know if Deshaun's going to go there, <laughs> Russell Wilson. I don't know who it's going to be, but looks like they're going to change quarterback. So I think Chicago can only get better with that defense. They went 8-8 eight and eight with horrible quarterback plays. So I think Detroit's in a tough spot. Even if Detroit plays well, it's going to be tough for them to make any sort of playoff push. Whereas the Colts are dealing with Tennessee, who's good, but Houston's a mess. And Jacksonville's going to improve with Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence, most likely. And, you know, they have nowhere to go but up, but Jacksonville's still a couple years away. So I think it's also about competition, not necessarily hating on the Lions, just in terms of the divisions, they're dealing with some some tough teams in the NFC North. Oh, for sure. But when you talk about the pluses, you got to talk about the minuses as well. When you talk <laughs> about an Aaron Rodgers, you got to talk about his age as well. He's getting up into that 40 range. Mm. He's getting up in the part of the magic of Aaron Rodgers was that he was just athletic enough to get away from it. And then his release mm-hmm. was just quick enough and that arm was just strong enough to make something crazy happen. As you get older in age, that magic, that craziness starts to fade, starts to pull back. He had a great season last season. He surely did. Maybe but as he. Shannon Sharp often says, as players get older, it is not that they lose their skills. It is not that they lose the ability to do great things, put on great shows. They lose the ability to do so consistent. There's a reason that the Packers drafted Jordan Love as high as they did. That wasn't a mistake. That wasn't an accident. They know what we all know. Father time is undefeated. And then if we are if we are talking about uh, the likes of the Vikings, Zimmer is stale. That's just the truth. <laughs> Zimmer is stale. He is vanilla. The players that they have, they're good. They were really, really good at one point in time. All of those guys are getting old. Harrison Hitman Smith can't cover grass no more. He's slow as <laughs> Sammy. I think you might be able to beat him in a race, man. He's, he's getting up there. He's getting up there. Bernard Pierce, who they took from the Ravens, he's good. He's getting up there in age. He's a good nose guard. He's getting older. Everybody except Daniil Hunter on that defense, I look at him and I'm like, well, well no. <laughs> Y'all need a youth movement and quick. Yeah. You, you can't play football smelling like Ben Gay and, and drinking boom <laughs> juice to make sure y'all stay regular. So that, that's that's my thing with the Vikings. And the Bears, here's the fun thing about the Bears. They leveraged so much in the building that defense. They've paid so much in the building that defense. They have nothing left to go for. If you look at teams that could possibly trade for Deshaun Watson, they're not one of them for a reason. If you look at the Giants, the Giants can call the Texans and they can say, hey, I've got Saquon Barkley. I've got Daniel Jones. I've got three first-round picks. What you trying to do? The Bears can't match that. The Bears don't have any first-round picks because they traded them for Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack is a menace. He's a tear off the edge. No ifs, ands, or buts about that. However, he is him and that defense, him and Akeem Hicks, him and Fuller and uh, Jackson as well, Eddie Jackson in the background, they all cannot make up for what a quarterback's job should be. They cannot throw that ball. They cannot. And then when you talk about the weapons in the backfield, they have a a great dynamic duo. Allen Robinson is looking more and more like he's going to walk. 
That tight end room, I don't know why the Bears have the most expansive tight end room in NFL history. They just keep grabbing up tight ends, collecting them like Infinity Stones. You can only play about two of them at a time. But sure, keep getting more of them. I really don't care. The Bears don't scare me. But when we talk about the teams in the AFC South, let's really talk about it, shall we? Deshaun Watson is, for all intents and purposes, a generational talent. And when I say generational talent, a lot of people throw those words around and don't really mean it. At the end of the day, in a season where he lost his head coach halfway through, where his head coach traded one of the best receivers in the NFL for a half-eaten Snickers bar (laughs) and cash considerations, he still found a way to win five games. He still found a way to do what he did with an aging J.J. Watt on that defense, with an aging Whitney Merciless, with Jadavion Clowney gone. He still figured out a way. The Titans, Mr. 2K himself, King Henry, that that's something that's going to be easy to compete with. And I'll tell you what, if you even look at the Jaguars, people don't realize this about the Jaguars, but more than any other team in the NFL, they are a true yo-yo team. You don't know what you're going to get from them. One year, they're really good. Next year, they're bad. Next year, they're really bad. Then they're good again. That's just how it works. Remember now, just two, three years ago, they had Jalen Ramsey, Yannick Ngakwe, and they were talking about, oh, we're going to take the whole Super Bowl. I mean, this team has always functioned like that. Remember the the years when they had uh, David Garrard and, and Byron Leftwich, and you never knew. Oh, the Jaguars are bad this year. LOL, JK, Mercedes Lewis going to grab a 1,000 yards. Terry <laughs> Taylor going to go get a 1,000 yards. They're going to be mm-hmm. good this year. So the, the Jaguars, while they're going to be young, they're going to get a, a player that has lost basically a handful of games in college, half of which came to Alabama. <laughs> they, this, the AFC South, while the optics of it don't look good, while Deshaun Watson does have some contentiousness with that front office, that front office is smart. They're not giving up Deshaun Watson until somebody throws the kitchen sink and the bathroom out. <laughs> They've already got folks calling with the kitchen sink. They said, listen, we want the kitchen sink and the stand-up shower. Don't ask me what I'm going to do with it. Just <laughs> not, I want the stand-up shower too, okay? So with that being said, the coach don't have it as easy as some people would believe. And again, this is a division with some pass rushers, with some guys that are coming off that edge. That to lose your left tackle? Mm, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, that's not something that I think would be a a great recipe for them. And again, you look at, you talked about the weapons needing a a second more to get open. When T.Y. Hilton is your top weapon, a guy who's never caught 10 touchdowns in the season is your top weapon offensively as as far as uh, on the perimeter, Mm -hmm. you're not going to strike fear in nobody's heart. You got a guy that threw, what, 15 touchdowns and 17 interceptions last year at quarterback? You're not going to strike fear in nobody's heart with that. That's just the honest to God truth. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Carson Wentz, again, if we, if he's the quarterback he was last year, Colts aren't going to do much. But the hope is that he could be, uh, you know, at least average. And if he's average, that's what Phillip Rivers was last year. We went 11-5. and five. And if he's great like he was a couple years ago, then we're looking like we're in really good shape. And, again, I don't think the Colts' recipe is really – you know, let's let's throw it 15 times to Devontae Adams and have him go for 180 and three touchdowns. They spread the ball around. Frank Wright gets everybody involved. Three tight ends, two running backs, five receivers. Everybody's catching passes. Quick stuff, dinky dunk stuff. 
And, you know, overall, it's a run, run, the, run the ball, smash mouth, run the damn ball team, play defense. And I think the defense isn't going anywhere. That's going to strike fear in a lot of opponents. And I still think, I mean, Deshaun Watson's out of the door. There's reports constantly coming in. Yeah, the Texans don't want to give him up, but he's not going to play. He's not going to play a snap if, if they don't trade him. So I think he's going to end up getting traded. So I'm not worried about them at all. Plus, he played last year. He played great, and they still went like four and twelve. So, and we swept them, even though neither game was easy because uh, he can work magic. But the Jacksonville Jaguars, I think you're giving them a little too much credit. Yes, the Byron Leftwich Garrard days when we were <laughs> when we were little kids. Yeah, they they were they were interesting and they were kind of up and down. But I don't think they were ever a big time threat. Peyton Manning was running that division. They were more of like an average team below average, slightly above average, nothing too crazy. I know MJD was nice. They had a couple big-time guys, Fred Taylor, like you said. Overall, nothing too special, and they've been really bad for a really long time, uh, one of the worst franchises in the league. So I, I like Urban Meyer. You know that, Buckeyes. But who, mm-hmm. who knows what's going to happen there? One of the first decisions they made was a horrible one to bring in that strength and conditioning guy, but luckily they got rid of him quick. But, um, yeah, no, they got to get things together. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be really good. If we're talking 10 years from now when maybe, you know, maybe Trevor Lawrence is, you know, big time and maybe the Texans have a bunch of draft picks from this eventual Deshaun Watson trade. By the way, they don't have that much leverage. But, you know, <laughs> maybe at, maybe 10 years from now, maybe they're threats. But I don't find, I don't think Trevor Lawrence is going to come in as a rookie and turn a 1-15 team around to a true threat. Are they going to be decent? Sure. Can you take them lightly? No, but I'm not worried. It's it's Tennessee and Indianapolis for sure. And last last 10 years, Indianapolis has owned Tennessee. So I know things have changed and it doesn't really matter. This is this year, but I think it's going to be a battle. And Derrick Henry can't really get any better. You know, two 2,000 yards, he's a beast. Ryan Tannehill, A.J. Brown, but they may lose Corey Davis in free agency who had a big year for them this year. Their defense was a mess. I expect Mike Vrabel to turn that around, but – yeah, I mean, Tennessee and Indy, I think, are going to fight for it this year. And I, still, I don't think Houston or Jacksonville are threats at all. You, you know what I find so interesting about this? And, mm-hmm. and, and you know, I, I have two podcasts. One is called Locked on Wolfpack, where I talk about NC State, the team that produced so many Colts um, <laughs> uh, every single day, right? I'm, I'm recording an episode after this. The other one is called Facts Over Acts, right? So let's, let's talk facts. Let's not talk how we feel about the Jaguars. Jaguars and Colts, who was the last team to make an AFC championship between the two? Well, I, the Jags just made it with Jalen Ramsey and all those boys who are now gone. I, also, the, the, also, that's like the Kansas City now, Royals. You're, you're, telling me, you're telling me that historically the Jags have been bad and that the Colts have been running that division for some time. The Colts, if we want to talk about running the division, that was when we were little kids. Reggie Wayne being dominant, Marvin Harrison being dominant, that Dallas Clark and those guys, that was little kids territory. Great Somehow team. this, again, the AFC South is basically at times what the NFC East is to the NFC. The AFC South sees so much volatility sometimes. that like That's what allows a Jacksonville to go from good to bad, to good again, to bad again, to all right. To, that's what allows that to happen. This, the, Yes, exactly, Mr. Misak. The, the Colts haven't made it beyond the first round in quite some time. But the fact of the matter remains simple. When I look at these, when I look at the teams that we're talking about right now, right, the Lions, the Colts, when we talk about who who we think is the better team, one of the things that you said was the Colts are 
building into a space where in five years they'll be really, really good. Or they'll be in that tier where you're looking at, I'm competing with the Chiefs. In five years, DeForest Buckner will be 31, 32. Defensive tackles do not have shelf lives like that. Don't let Calais Campbell fool you. He is the anomaly, <laughs> not the rule. If you go ahead and look at the other positions, Quentin Nelson's going to be good for 10 years. Sure. Offensive linemen, when they do it, they can do it for forever. No ifs or buts about that. Darius Leonard, linebackers ain't going to be running like that for five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years. <laughs> There's a reason why everybody reveres Ray Lewis the way they did. And it's not just because of the dance. It's because he did what he did at a position that was violent, at a position that breaks you down. And by the time you're uh, by the time you're 28, 29, people are starting to look at you like, is he is he slowing down a little bit? This window for this coach defense, they have some good young pieces. The freshman that you mentioned on the back. I'm sorry, not freshman. The rookie <laughs> that you mentioned on the back end. He's a quality player. Uh, Hooker as well. Quality player on that back end at times. But. The, the window for five years and all that, unless you are going to do some things that pulls yourself in a lot of draft leverage, again, Portland Trailblazers of the NFL, you'll be decent, but you won't quite have what it takes to make it over the top. When I look at the Lions, I see the Lions as a team that understands we're really, really bad. Right now. <laughs> we are really, really bad with what happened last year with Patricia. Sure. The plan is, just like the 76ers, trust the process. Trust the process. And everybody can say what they want about the 76ers. Where are they right now on the East? The number one team. The top team in the East, despite the Nets having the big three, despite the Celtics having all these young guys, everybody says. So at the end of the day, I think that if you look at who's in a better position going forward for the future, I'd rather be the bad team with all the pieces, with all the gold, with all the We'll have things to invest in the future. Then the team is like, okay, we're we're like middle of the road, but we don't have that much to go out and spend and do and get. And we're investing in a quarterback that was in the bottom eighth, not bottom half, not bottom third, not bottom, bottom eighth of the league. All right, I, I got to respond to a lot of these things. So I think, again, they're not investing in that guy. They're investing in the guy in 2017 with Frank Reich putting on a show MVP candidate, and he's still a young player. I think also, you know, when I said five years, I, I must have misspoke. I didn't really mean that in five years. I meant for the next five, ten years. I think they believe they can compete right now. They got to make – they have their top five in cap space this season. They're going to – they've drafted really well with Chris Ballard. I think they're right in a position where they're going to contend right now. In terms of, like, the Jags since 2017, more wins than the Colts playoff – that kind of stuff to me is irrelevant. That that may be factual on the surface, but I mean, if we're talking Peyton Manning, I'm not talking. That is when we're children. But I mean, Andrew Luck went 11 and five, three straight seasons. Him retiring in the middle of his prime, nobody could have really predicted that. And then they had a horrible O line until he left. Then the O line got great. So that was just unlucky, or or I mean, that was the Colts' fault. But I'm just saying, like that kind of stunk. That right when the O line got great, that's when the guy left. That the O line ruined. But hmm. I think. When you have all those great young pieces like Darius Leonard, like Quentin Nelson, like Julian Blackman, like Jonathan Taylor, I think you're hoping that Carson Wentz can come in and be the guy he was a couple years ago. And I don't necessarily think the Lions have uh, – I don't really want to talk about the Lions too much because, you know, they're obviously, like you said, a little bit far away and they're 
trying to build for the future. So that's fine. But in terms of the Colts, I really do think they're a threat right now. I think Kansas City's obviously the best team in AFC because they've been, you know, the best team for a couple of years now. Buffalo looked really good. But you saw, Jelani, how close the Colts were to beating mm-hmm. the Bills in that playoff game. They pretty much outplayed the Bills for 75% of that game. Now, it doesn't matter. Bills won. But I think they're right there. And I think that, you know, you look at Baltimore, obviously Lamar Jackson, Cleveland, these teams, the Colts are right in that conversation. I think right behind Kansas City with Buffalo, Cleveland, Baltimore, and, you know, the AFC, other than that, it's not it's not that high caliber right now necessarily, in my opinion. There's a bunch of teams that are kind of floating around, but I think the Colts are clearly top five in the AFC right now, and you can make the argument that they're two behind Kansas City. So I think that they're right there and ready to compete. Um, I, there were a couple other things, too. There were a couple of other things too that you brought up that I just forget. I was I wanted to bring up, but um, was there anything that you brought up that I missed? Kind of responding to. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I I really listen. You. <laughs> this is this is something I find so interesting when people talk about the, the the narratives and how they shift and change. When you look at the AFC and you say, other than a few teams, they're not really that good uh, going away, and the NFC is. I beg your pardon? No, no. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't think so. The NFC isn't necessarily great either. And this is why I say that the Lions are in a better position. If you look at what the NFC is, the top three seeds were who? Packers, Saints, Bucks, none of which have a quarterback that's under the age of 38. All aging quarterbacks. Yep. Mm-hmm. All of them, every single one of those quarterbacks is going to be out the door soon. The Saints keep having problems with Michael Thomas. He's probably going to be out the door as soon as he stops producing. Literally, the <laughs> second that he goes for less than 1,500 yards. Bye, Mike. We might not be able to guard Mike, but we can trade him. Uh, <laughs> when you look at the other teams in the NFC, who is really a rising team that you say they're going to have the, – they got next in the NFC? Who, the Cardinals? The, the Cardinals? The Cliff Kingsbury? Cliff Kingsbury couldn't even win in a defense is optional – uh, Big 12 with Pat Mahomes. Come on now. He's a loser. That's who he is. The Seahawks, the Seahawks that can't keep Russell Wilson happy. The Seahawks whose defense just keeps getting older and older and a little bit worse and a little bit worse by the day, but nobody seems to be talking about it because Russ works his magic. Are we talking about, I mean, the 49ers? The four, Jimmy Garoppolo may win a competition for prettiest quarterback in the NFL, may win a competition <laughs> for most GQ quarterback, most models dated in the NFL. I know one thing he'll never win a competition for, most rings in the NFL, most 40, mm-hmm. yard, most 40 touchdown seasons in the NFL, highest QBR in the NFL. Those are just the, the teams that we are looking at as far as the AFC. You've got a bunch of guys. Again, the Chiefs are up there right now, right? Tyreek Hill. Just turned, what, 26, 27? McCall Hardman was a rookie about two years ago. Uh, You got Pringle as well over there with the Chiefs, who's a very good weapon. The Ravens. Ronnie Stanley is one of the best in the game. I don't think they're getting rid of – I don't think they're getting rid of Big Zeus Jr., the right tackle who wants to play left. I think they'll find a way to keep him happy because that's what the Ravens historically have done. They found a way to keep their nucleus and core happy. They've got Gus the Buzz Edwards and a lot of things going on on that Ravens team that – at the end of the day, they're going to be a problem for years. People greatly underrate Lamar's ability to throw the ball, but when you look at the numbers, and even if you watch the games by eye test, his receiving core has consistently been one of the tops in drops in the NFL. He's going to be a problem for teams for a very long time. 
wherever Deshaun Watson is, which is currently the AFC, he's going to be a problem. So, again, you look at the AFC, they got a, a, a ton of guys that is just like piling on, piling on, piling on. And I did not even mention that we all know Trevor Lawrence is going to the Jags. So, with that being said, the, the AFC looks a lot tougher to ply and crack. Oh, and by the way, I forgot to mention the Steelers. Even without Ben Roethlisberger, that defense, man for man, pound for pound, you got Watt, you got Dupree, you got uh, Mika, you got Edmonds, you got th – that defense is going to have to replace Joe Hayden, and that's about it. Everybody else, mm -hmm. still young. Devin Bush, still young. All the weapons pieces, still young in the AFC. NFC, all their best teams, old as dirt. Old <laughs> as dirt, bit by bit, you're going to watch them crumble and fall away. And when they do – It'll be prime position for that team that was slowly acquiring a little bit, <laughs> only grabbing draft picks here and there to pop out like, hey, we're here now. We're in the party now. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, a, a lot of those teams, everything you said is accurate, but I think you were choosing what you wanted to figure out. I, I could poke holes in all of the AFC teams, and I could find gems in all the NFC teams. I mean, that NFC West is brutal. Yeah, I, I, listen, the Cardinals aren't a team that I trust, but still – Kyler Murray, that team's going to continue to get better. You would think they got D-Hop. You know, that's a solid team. The Rams are a really good team. Now that they got Stafford, I think they may go to the Super Bowl this year. Seattle, obviously, with Russell Wilson, if he's there, and he's more likely to be there than Deshaun Watson is in Houston. So there, that's a threat. And then, um, yeah, I mean, all the, the 49ers are a year removed from the Super Bowl. And I agree with Jimmy G, but I think they're going to look to make a quarterback upgrade, maybe Deshaun Watson. And that defense is great. They got a ton of weapons. I love San Francisco. Minnesota, and I know we talked about the NFC North, but Minnesota, Chicago, and Green Bay, to me, are all ahead of the Lions right now. And then in the NFC East, it's a mess. But the Cowboys with Dak Prescott, if they could finally figure out together a defense, they could <laughs> sign him. The Giants looked better this year on defense. They got Barkley. I think they need a quarterback upgrade. The Eagles are a mess. Washington football team, Chase Young in that defense, and that I mean, that running back, Antonio Gibson, Terry McLaurin, again, they need a quarterback. Tampa Bay is not going anywhere right now. You talked about Father Time being undefeated, but Tom Brady's still doing his thing. The Saints always find a way, even though right now they're in cap hell and Drew Brees just left the building. But Russell Wilson said that's one of the teams he maybe wants to go to. The Falcons, Jelani's team, they have nowhere to go but up after underachieving for a bunch of years now, especially if they get a nice rookie quarterback in the building. I mean – the Panthers, I think, are on the rise. They're going after Deshaun Watson. Matt Rule's a great head coach. And I think in the AFC, again, Buffalo had a great year. Josh Allen, they should be good for a long time. But they don't necessarily scare you. They had a brilliant season, and they still couldn't get the job done. The Texans, Deshaun Watson's gone, and they're probably going to trade him to the NFC, if anything. And I like Justin Herbert a lot, but that Chargers organization is a mess right now. Who knows if they're going to get it together? I, I mean – and then Maho the Chiefs are obviously a threat. I'm not going to deny that. Cleveland I like, but they're still the Cleveland Browns. Baltimore I like, but they can't get by, you know, a couple. Lamar Jackson still hasn't been able to win in the playoffs. And like you said, that, re that receiving core is not good at all. I like J.K. Dobbins. I like that defense. I just think, and Joe Burrow, you know, he, he's a good young quarterback as well. But Cincinnati's a mess. So I think that there's, you know, there's a lot of teams around the league that are scary, but they have holes. So. I think the Colts are in a really good spot to contend right now. I think the Lions are bottom five roster in the league. I, I feel you, and I, I get where you're going. But do you notice that when it came to the, the AFC, 
I didn't even, I'm sorry, when it came to the uh, NFC, I didn't even mention the bottom feeder. I didn't even have to go to the bottom feeder. If I'm just talking about teams that are contending, what makes you believe that the Colts will be able to get over the hump against the Chiefs? People say, well, the Super Bowl showed the the, the key to beating Pat. The Super Bowl showed the, the recipe. Well, sure. If everybody can go out and get two dominant elite pass rushers off the edge, one of whom had a freak accident, ended up being an extremely cheap value. Sure. It's, it'll, it'll be that easy. Oh, and by the way, on top of making sure that you get two elite pass rushers off the edge, make sure that Mahomes tackles get injured before your game. Everybody can guarantee that that happens. Everybody can guarantee that Mahomes will not have a consistent offensive line going forward. Again, the things that I'm telling you, these are things that this is not the exception. This is the rule. With the quarterbacks getting older and aging out, how even with Tom Brady, we look at the pieces that he had. We look at everything that he had. Those things fell together by divine acts that were beyond his power. And a, a, a talent like Antonio Brown being available. That's not every day. A talent like a Gronk who was traded to the Lions and retired instead of playing for the Lions, which I find very interesting because nobody ever talks about his maturity level. Nobody ever talks about his prima donna-ness. A, a, a talent like him being available for little to nothing, that's not every day. A team with that already has a Mike Evans, a Chris Godwin. This is how scary that team was even before Brady. Mike Evans, everybody would agree Chris Godwin is not the best receiver on that team, correct? All three of us would agree to that, right? And he got franchise tag. Do you know the price of a franchise tag for a receiver? <laughs> so again, these all of these teams are at their apex right now in the NFC. These teams have nowhere else to go. These the, the top teams in the NFC, I am telling you, unless they all happen to luck up upon great quarterbacks in these next couple drafts, they have nowhere to go but down. The AFC. The, the, the guys who are at the top, they're going to be there. The Bills, you're talking about uh, Micah Hyde, Tredavious White, Edmonds, and you're telling me that that defense don't scare nobody? I'm not even talking about the front with with uh, with Big Ed Oliver, one of the quickest, most cat-like 300-pounders you will ever see in your <laughs> life. And you're telling me that that team doesn't scare anybody? The big nose guard they got from Stanford, the young man is a block. He cannot be moved against the run. And you're telling me that defense don't scare nobody? I don't know what your definition of scare is. I, I, I don't know. But by my definition of scare, that'll keep an offensive coordinator up at night. When you got a game plan against a 6'4 Mike linebacker who can move and cover, that scares me. That scares me. He can be an eliminator like we saw for the first three quarters of the playoff game for a Naheem Hines. You give him one-on-one -on -one coverage and maybe say, you know what? They don't got nothing on the perimeter. Uh, Edmonds, you take Naheem one-on-one. Give me a safety over the top as well. Just kind of bracket them, figure it out. Well, now what do you have in the passing game? You Who going to get open on Tredavis White on that team? Who going to get open on Michael Hyde on that team? This, this is, again, I, my argument is very simple here. If we are talking about who the better team is in this very moment, for sure, I'll give that to the Colts. I can see that. Like I said, no longer doing propaganda. If we're talking about who is most likely to get over the hump, who is most likely to find a way to get to the chip, just because we're far right now does not mean we'll be far forever, especially considering, like I said, we have in the next 
four drafts, five first round picks. Yeah, I mean, and well, next four. Come on now. Yeah, <laughs> real quick with the Lions, they've been a bad franchise for a long time. Matt Stafford, a lot of people think he's still. Not, not necessarily a Mahomes or a Brady, but a lot of people think he's still a generational talent or at least really, really talented and can't wait to see what he could finally do in a new in a new team. So I think that the Lions had a great quarterback and some talented guys. I mean, Calvin Johnson, a lot of, a lot of big-time players, and they still were never able to really do much with Matt Stafford. So, you know, that's concerning. But also back to the Colts. The Colts, and I'm not saying, again, I'm not going to fake things out either. Kansas City's better than the Colts right now. But – Colts beat him last, not this past year, but the year before that. Colts beat him with Jacoby Brissett. It was a Sunday night football game. The Colts beat him. It was a defensive game. It was like 17 to 9. Patrick Mahomes versus Jacoby Brissett, and Brissett won the game. So, I mean, I'm not, that's one game. It doesn't necessarily matter. But And as you saw, big-time pass rush, the Colts have that, and that's what killed Mahomes. I know his offensive line not being there also. But um, And then Buffalo, again, I think the Colts outplayed him for like 75% of the game last year, and Buffalo still won. So right now, Buffalo's better than Indy is also. But yeah, no, I think I think Josh Allen's a big-time quarterback, and I think that team's good. I like Sean McDermott, but they don't really have much of a run game. Stephon Diggs is a beast. Cole Beasley played well this year. The defense actually took a step back than the team that was great in the AFC East defensively last couple of years. So I think that those teams are going to be there, but I think the Colts are right in that conversation. I agree. I agree that they're in the conversation. But again, every single team in the NFC, the top teams, Michael Thomas, already getting old, get, being a diva, already getting banged <laughs> up and injured, being a diva. Alvin Kamara, he is a very good back who can do a little bit of everything. He is the only piece in the NFC that I feel like going forward, He's going to be a problem no matter where he is, no matter what's going on. Everybody else, there are very simple remedies to them. Christian McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey in, in Carolina, even in college, he could not take the pounding of being in every down back. In the NFL, he is, his body has proven he cannot take the pounding of being in every down back. If we go, again, this is, this is just simple math here. All of the top teams in the NFC, they are primed. Right now, there's nowhere else for them to go. The Ravens, they lost Marshall Yonda. They lost a ton of weapons as far as their tight ends went with Hurst going to Atlanta and whatnot. They lost a lot of things, and somehow they still made the playoff. Somehow they still got a quarterback that's under 26. Somehow they still have all these things going for them that can only get better and better and better. And and when I look at the top teams, again, if we just go by the top three seeds, one sees young top three, one sees old top three. Which top three do I believe will show the most volatility, will show the most uh, malleability, will show them the, the largest ability to be changed? The old guys. Because the old guys, either A, they're not going to be there forever, or B, they're going to be a shell of them former selves. The, the fact of the matter is, the when I look at the Bucks and what they have done, they won the Super Bowl with Tom Brady. Congratulations to them. <laughs> Everything fell in place perfectly for them. Again, that team defensively, yeah, they're young. Sure, defensively. Offensively, they're old at every position except left tackle. That's it. Worfs is young. That's it. Everybody else, two to three years, they're gonna be pushing 30 or beyond 30. Or in some people's uh in some people's case, pushing 50. But the <laughs> fact of the matter is, very simply, the top teams in the NFC, 
If we want to go bottom feeders, of course, they're bottom feeders for a reason. Every bottom feeder is going to have massive immense hope. I'm talking about the top dogs. Because if we're talking about competing with bottom feeders, then, yeah, we're talking about, yeah, we, as long as we win some regular season games, as long as we sneak into the playoffs every now and then, I'm good. I'm talking about the top dogs. Tell me, just if you look at the top three from both conferences, you're going to tell me with a straight face that the AFC's big dogs will be on a quicker decline than the NFC. The Chiefs are playing like they don't have a salary cap. <laughs> Chris Jones to big money, too. This is this is ridiculous. This don't make sense. How did they keep Frank Clark? None of what they're doing makes any sense financially, but they're doing it. When you look at the NFC, you look at teams and you just like, like you said, the Saints in cap hell without a quarterback, about to trade a, a, a wide receiver that they pay huge money to, about to take a huge cap hit. When you look at the NFC, top teams ready to fall off. When you look at the AFC, top teams, <laughs> you remember what happened when uh, Brady, Roethlisberger, and uh, Brady, Roethlisberger, and Manning were in their primes, and they had the AFC just in a stranglehold. It was something like, uh, I want to say 15 straight Super Bowls, where it was one of those three in it. That's what we're going to see out of the AFC again. I'm sorry to tell you. That's what we're going to see out of the AFC again. And unfortunately, Carson Wentz is not going to be the Joe Flacco that has a one crazy season. <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you. I'm sorry. He has the talent, sure. He has the potential, sure. If the stars align just right, sure. But when you look over at the NFC during that time where those top three guys had a lock on it, everybody went to the, to the Super Bowl from the NFC. Everybody and their mama found a way to get to the Super Bowl. And that's what I'm saying about this Lions team. Brad Holmes is one of the most respected men in the game for a reason. He was one of the guys that was a hot topic, a hot name for everybody when it came to hiring for front office. The Lions just lucked up and found him. Dan Campbell, like you said, if you heard his speech and you weren't ready to run through a wall, I want to check it <laughs> I don't know if you're human. I don't know. I was ready to bite somebody, take a chuck out of somebody after hearing that speech. This team, this year, sure, the Colts would be the better team. But if we're talking about who's more likely to come out on top in the end, who's more likely to get a ring or two in the end, the Lions, it's it's time. It's time to break the curse. It's time. We got folks who have been proven to make hit after hit after hit. Check the batting average on Brad Holmes. You've got guys who are proven to say, you know what? I'm going to buck the system. I'm going to do it with energy, effort, and tough, hard-nosed defense and running the ball. And in the NFL, that's been proven. If you can have your team truly buy in and mode into that, they'll be in a great position. And the Lions have already invested enough in that offensive line that that will be a feasible way to ply into what will be a weak NFC as opposed to we got the modern version. I'm sorry to tell you, but we got the modern version of Roethlisberger, Brady, and Manning right in front of us. And if you don't believe that in the AFC, just look around. Look around. Look what's happened these last few years. Look at the last two. Uh, I'm sorry, not the last two. Yes, look at the last three MVPs. That tells you all you need to know about these conferences. Aaron Rodgers, old guy. Uh, uh, Lamar Jackson, very young guy. Um, Patrick Mahomes, very young guy. The proof is in the pudding, baby. You want me to keep going, Jelani? Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, I mean, that well put. I was going to actually say, yeah, I guess we can wrap it up. 
the two thing or two things I'll let you guys do, of course, you know, plug yourselves in, um, let all the fans know why they should vote for you. Um, and any like glass closing arguments, basically how you think your team will fare. Obviously, you know, Ken said, you know, maybe not this year, but in the future, his line should, should be a little bit better than Colts. But of course, like I said, I'll let you start off, Sammy, um, you know, plug in your show, let everybody know where they can find you, why the fans should vote for you and what we should expect from your Colts. Um, in 2021-22. Right, yeah, no, thanks for having me. I had a great time. I think mm-hmm. the Colts are going to be big time this year and moving forward. I think at the end there, Kenton talked about defense and running the ball. That's exactly what the Colts do. Talked about track record with Brad Holmes. Chris Ballard's one of the best GMs in the league. Frank Reich's a really good head coach. So I think they're in a great position here to contend for a really long time. I think they're right in that conversation. I think Carson Wentz has the ability still – Number two pick in the draft a couple years ago. I think he has the ability to be big time for a long time. And that defense and that running game. Listen, a lot of Big Ben at the beginning of his career was not him. It was all defense. And same thing with, uh, you know, Russell Wilson at the beginning of his career. Not him. All defense, run game with Pete Carroll and the Seahawks. So now he's a star, but he didn't begin that way. Same with Big Ben. I think Tom Brady even won a lot of those Super Bowls early on or at least was competing at a high level because of Belichick and the defensive end, and then he turned into a superstar, obviously. But in the Super Bowl, a lot of times he wasn't scoring big-time points. He was relying on that defense to make him one or two big plays. I mean, you look at the Giants with Eli Manning, those Super Bowl teams, defense, running game, Brandon Jacobs, Ahmad Bradshaw, that defense was beastly with, you know, Pierre Paul and Tuck and Yuman Yora, Michael Strahan. So I think overall, I think defense and running game often wins, wins it in the end. And Lamar Jackson doesn't, you know, he's big time, but in the playoffs hasn't done much. And the Ravens have been good for a long time. They're always a good organization. The Colts have been really, really good. I'm only 23 years old. I haven't seen much losing. Again, a lot of Peyton, then one bad year. Andrew Luck, he got hurt. Last couple of years, they've had five different starting quarterbacks all five years. They've been a playoff team a couple of times. They've been 11 and five a couple of times. So I think they're a really good organization. They're going to put it together and have a big year this year and moving forward. You can find my show, Buzzer Beaters, every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern time on Facebook Live. My name's Sammy Block on Facebook. You could friend me and, you know, watch my show every week. I talk sports, a lot of football. So if you love it, tune in. And um, I'm the Block Spot on Twitter, the Block, my last name, and then Spot. Uh, find me on there or Sam Block 5 on Instagram. Wherever you want to follow me, hit me up and um, appreciate it. I'll be at ESPN in about a month and you could uh, check out some of my content. I'll be posting it on my social media. So thanks a lot. I had a great time, man. Appreciate it. Of course. Appreciate you, of course, for having uh, for, for you coming on. Like I said, congrats for making it all the way to my inaugural Smack Talk, Smackdown Super Bowl. King. You know, the Lions being in the Super Bowl is a new feeling for the team. <laughs> It's a new feeling. I was but, confused for a second. I was like, what? But it's a feeling that's going to get real familiar with us in just a few. Like I've always said, the, the facts matter more than anything. And like I just said not too long ago, top three to top three, big dogs against big dogs. When you go big on big, conference on conference, you say to yourself that the aging rosters of the NFC will somehow find some miraculous way to reinvent themselves and each one of them will somehow come out even better with quarterbacks that we don't know, with quarterbacks who could be in high school right now, with quarterbacks who could be somebody's backup right now. Sure. 
you go ahead and, and tell me that that you believe that the NFC is just super unpliable and there's no way to gain ground it. Sure. But if you live in reality, if you live on Earth, if I cannot sell you oceanfront property in Detroit, Michigan, because you'll buy anything, you know that the Ravens, that the Chiefs, that the Bills are where they are for a reason. And you know that all of those teams have young cores, young nucleuses that are not going anywhere for a very, very long. And with that being said, regardless of if Andy Reid retires, he's not the magic sauce in Pat Mahomes. It's Pat Mahomes. Regardless of if Greg Roman leaves the Ravens, he's not the magic sauce in Lamar Jackson. It's Lamar Jackson. Regardless of if uh, McDermott leaves the Bills, he puts in the toughness, he puts in the effort, he puts in the work that makes the Singletary look as good as he does. But the fact of the matter remains simple. The NFC is the easier division to, is going to be the easier division to get wins in, easier division to sneak your way into a Super Bowl win, easier way to even claim your spot as the top dog perennially for a little. It's going to be that way. It's going to be that way. I'm sorry to tell y'all, but it's the truth. And with that being said, with the Lions slowly but surely just acquiring bits and pieces, just acquiring assets, acquiring assets, you're going to look up and say, wait a minute now, how did the Lions get that guy? Oh, they traded away this player to get. Well, wait, how did they get that guy? Oh, yeah, they, they traded this player for a first-round pick. And next thing you know, you have something like what the 49ers built, where you look up and you're like, wait a minute, they were 4-12 and last year. How did they get so good this year? Oh, they were the team before. Just grabbing, grabbing. Rabbit, and then they popped out so much they could even give the coach the fourth buckner and still be all right. <laughs> so, uh, with that being said, I'm, I'm gonna leave that at that. I'm, I'm done doing all my arguing for the day. Uh, I appreciate y'all. I, we all three of us are nothing without the fans. Y'all make this all possible. Without y'all, there is no media. We can't do what we do, we can't uh, get paid to do what we do. So, I appreciate y'all. You can find me. In both of my different podcasts, Facts Over Acts is a national podcast. We cover a little bit of everything with uh, my main guys, Josh Guyton and Christopher Allen. And uh, if you are a Wolfpack fan, especially since we got the coast on tonight, I know there should be some Wolfpack fans in here. <laughs> Go on the Locked On Wolfpack uh, as well. And I've announced this on my show, but I'm going to announce it now nationally as well. Mm-hmm. I've been named one of the hosts for Locked On ACC. So, oh, wow. Congrats. If, you, if you can't get enough of this big brown smiling face, <laughs> guess what? You're going to get more of it, baby. You're going to get more of it every Monday starting March 1st. Vote for me. Vote for me, all right? Don't fall for the coach tricks. Don't fall <laughs> for the anti-lion slander. We are on the rise. We are on the come up. Appreciate it, y'all. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, again, appreciate both these uh, gentlemen for coming on the show for just being a part of this, you know, inaugural Smack Talk Smackdown, making it so far. It was a great show. I already knew it was going to be. We had two incredible minds, very passionate and very knowledgeable about their teams, um, and Sammy Block and Ken Gibbs. And appreciate everybody for tuning in and commenting. Uh, John Misak, I know, uh, Ken, you had one of your guys in here as well. Um, and score-wise, it's pretty even. It's really close, so these votes are going to matter. Um, Ken finishes with 32, Sammy Block with 29. Um, so appreciate everybody again for tuning in. This will be up as an audio and video later on. Um, I'll leave the poll up for about three days. Let everybody, you know, watch, assess, digest what was, uh, said about each other's teams, conferences, divisions, uh, today. Um, and like I said, let everybody vote and we'll crown a champion. 
um, either later on this week or early on next week. Uh, but again, gentlemen, it was a pleasure. Um, it was a joy as always to have you guys on. And I know we'll be speaking um, soon in the future and I'll have you guys on my show, um, you know, a regular what the game means to me as well. So appreciate you guys for tuning in. Appreciate you guys for coming on again. Hope everybody uh, enjoyed their night. Don't forget to vote um, for these fellas and um, we'll see you next time. Have a good one, everyone.